Um, well, thank you again so much for being here. This is the third sermon in our sermon series, Heavy Duty. And I'm just curious, how many of you were here for week one when Pastor preached about the Father? Man, wasn't that good? Man, I'm telling you, Pastor brought it. And then last week, I'm like, okay, this is good. And he preached on the ladies in our life, right? He talked about the wife and the mom. And how many of you were here for that? Let me see. Wasn't that good? Pastor brought it. And then um, obviously they, they are out of town um, with uh, the, the passion of Miss Heather's father. It was not unexpected. She was aware of the family was aware and was prepared for it. However, that is still a valley to walk through. So continue to lift them up in your prayers um, as we do it. Um, and each week, pastor would preach the truth. Man, unashamedly would say, this is the word of God um, for the fathers, right? And he would preach that truth and then say, and if you if you got questions, see me throughout the week. Man, you spend time with me. And then he preached, this is the word of God for the ladies in our life, for, for the wives and, and the mothers. And if you have questions during the week, you come see me. And then he's gone for the third week and he's like, oh, Caleb, you do it. <laughs> so I'm here to tell you, if you've got questions about the sermon today, I'm going to give you his email and um, you go see him. All right. You spend time with him. And uh, no, I, I'm privileged to be here. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Um, I have been privileged to serve with uh, in, in child and student ministry for the last 10 years, um, seven years in Houston, Texas, three years here now in Las Vegas, Nevada. And um, I believe this this morning. I believe this. I believe I'm in a room of friends. Um, the, the parents I've worked with, I've talked with other um, um, youth leaders in other churches and all that stuff, and some seem to have troubles and trials and all that stuff. And I guess I'm just blessed because I work with some of the best parents and families um, in the world. I mean that. Yeah, y'all give yourselves, y'all take some credit there. So this morning, we're going to unpack some things, um, but not in a, in a vindictive, you know what I mean? Uh, this is my chance <laughs> to tell you what I think. It's not that at all. This is my chance to stand in front of you and thank you for the privilege, the opportunity to serve your family, and then hopefully to come alongside and, and give you some resources, some tools, some encouragement in the way of the word. We believe this, every child has basic needs and basic responsibilities that play out in a myriad of different ways during their journey through childhood. Today, we desire to equip you with a compass that can help guide both them and you along the way. Proverbs chapter 22 is going to be that compass for us this morning. Proverbs 22. So if you have your Bible, if you uh, mark in your uh, um, iPad or uh, notes, or if you're on you version, Proverbs 22 verse 6 is where we're going to be this morning. And again, I want to say thank you so much for, for being here. I'm going to read this aloud, and then I'd like for us to read it together one time, but let me read it to you first. Proverbs 22 and verse 6, the Word of God says this, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now let's read that in unison one time as a church family and make this our prayer as we talk about the children in our lives today. Ready, go. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. What a powerful truth. Now, if you've been around church or, or Christian parenting or anything like that for any amount of time, here's what I know. I know that you probably have a little bit of a love-hate relationship <laughs> with that verse for this reason. We're going to unpack it. We're going to stay biblical. We're going to stay close to the Word of God. But for this reason, I've talked to parents numerous times throughout the year. And maybe your love, throughout my years in ministry, maybe your love-hate relationship started much earlier than even your parenting years. How many of you had to memorize that as a kid? Let me just see. I had to memorize that as a kid. You know, other verse my parents made me memorize? This is, this is, my, this is cathartic for me. I'm getting to unload. The other verse my parents made me memorize was the verse in Proverbs that says, um, uh, my son, despise not the chastening of your father, right? Um, and, and the wisdom of your mother. 
because the ravens of the valley will pick out your eye and eat it. That's what the Bible says. And my mom's like, you memorize that verse, boy, now go to the woods. You know what I mean? Hope you've been good today. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, um, she, um, it, it wasn't vindictive at all. It wasn't like, eh, God's going to get you. She just wanted me to know the word of God. I believe that. I understand that now. But as a child, man, I was like, no. <laughs> you know, um, I was like going through life. And, and a lot of times we get this verse. I remember the first, my first core memory about this verse was I grew up in, in the Northeast, New England area, um, Tom Brady land. And anyways, um, so I grew up Northeast. And, and by the way, I, I remember before, before Tom, I remember when Tom Brady just, got, ah, we don't need to go there. But I remember when Tom Brady just got there and everybody's like, who's this scrub? And um, 21 years later, right? Man, what a journey. So um, anyways, uh, <laughs> back to the word. All right, so I grew up in the Northeast and then my family moved. And a lot of times people ask me, be like, Pastor Gabe, where, where are you from? Because I say y'all and you know, get her done. No, I don't say that. But I say, I say y'all and things like that. And so my family moved from the Northeast to Tennessee. Um, and I spent a lot of time in Tennessee growing up. And, and then we lived in Texas for a little while. And um, so anyways, we, we moved around. But when we moved to Tennessee, I moved from a church in the Northeast of like 30 people. Like you knew everyone and you knew what was going on with everyone's name. The youth group was my brother and me and like two other girls, you know. And then we moved from a church of 30 to down South Tennessee. And the church there was like 1,200 people. The youth group was like 150 students. And so I moved in there. Man, I remember I was so nervous. I was like shaking on that first day, you know, and they're like, hey, welcome. And, you know, I was like 14. So I was like, welcome. My name's Caleb, you know. And, uh, man, I was, you know, going through it. And so we had moved and, and we're going there. And it wasn't long that we had lived there in Tennessee. And I saw some new things in the church culture and different things. And they called everybody brother and sister there. I thought that was weird. I, it was Mr. and Mrs. for me, just cultural differences. And um, I, we moved there. And one of those first Sundays, the pastor, they had a baby dedication Sunday. How many ever seen that baby dedication Sunday? And the pastor had all of the, anybody that worked with kids in any, any part of the church. So children's ministry, teen ministry, they had a Christian school, any part of it. He's like, if you will now stand. And so all those people stood, there's like a hundred people across the auditorium. He said, if you'll recite with me, Proverbs 22, six. And man, that whole church like chanted this verse, train up a child. You know what I mean? And it was like, I remember as a kid, like, Man, they're serious about this thing, you know? And most of the time you hear this verse, it is preached in, the, in this context. Train up a child in the way, right? It's, it's very, uh, um, uh, ad, it, it admonishes us to focus on the way. <laughs> Mandalorian reference, right? This is the way. Okay, uh, so train up a child in the way. And I've always heard it preached and taught that way. Then I, I began to study a little more and I began to work with families a little more and I began to realize that what the author meant here was he had a much deeper and, and richer truth that the Hebrew language carries that ours does not. You see, many people read that verse to mean there is one way that your child and all children should go, one way. And so you must figure out that one way and push your kid down that particular path. But the original Hebrew points to something so much deeper and sweeter and richer. The Hebrew word used for way is derech, derech, okay? And it's a term which is the term of the marksman. Now, what the Hebrew writer was saying and what the Hebrew culture understood was that he was saying, you need to train up your child in the way, watch this, he should go. 
The emphasis is on not, this is the one way. Now we know the gospel is one way, straight is the way, narrow is the gate. We understand that, but we're going a little bit deeper into our kids. And how many realize that if you have kids, not every kid is the same. <laughs> how many realize kids have, have unique differences and personalities? And I remember my brother, my, my older brother, Clark, my parents could tell him one time, hey, here's what you need to do. And he would go do it. And they had to tell me a lot more <laughs> and, and administer righteous to me a lot more um, to, to get me to go forward and, and do things, right? Every kid is different. And what the, the beauty of this verse, what this verse is saying is, train up a child in the way he should go. What the Hebrew understood was that it was Derek or the, the, the marksman in order to go to battle. And almost everyone in the Hebrew culture had been to battle before. This was written in the time of Proverbs. So Solomon penned most of the book and Solomon's dad was David and the, the Israel was at its height and they had overtaken and fought battles and man, they, they were here. And so every Hebrew parent and child understood what he was saying here was, you need to find the, train up the child in the derach or, or the bend, the way he should go. The marksmen at the time, they would go out and they would find the, the young sapling tree and they would cut it down and they would make it for their bow and bend it for their bow. And they would find how that, that wood grain went and they would carve the bow and the arrow accordingly. And what the verse is saying here is that the arrow is carved in such a way that it flies for a specific purpose. Marksmen had to be intimately familiar with their material if they wanted to shape it into something that would fly. Interesting. Where else in the Bible does it talk about children being like arrows? Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Verse three, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. What the, what the psalmist and the author of Proverbs here is saying is that children are like arrows. And when you step into battle, when you get ready to launch them into this life, you must know their particular bend, their particular personality, and so shape and direct them that when you launch them into life, you are aiming them back towards God, specifically on purpose for them. This is the way he should go. That word direct is also in Psalm 37. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord or your direct, your bend, your personality to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. What a beautiful freeing truth for every parent and every person who's ever worked with children, every grandparent, every aunt, every uncle. What a beautiful freeing truth from the word of God that we can know this. Number one, the Lord builds the house. The Lord is the one that has to build the house. And as we invest in our child, as we shape and direct our children in the way they should go according to their bend, we have to commit that way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. If we want our children to grow into adults who are secure in themselves and in control of their emotions, have an understanding of their capabilities and have a measure of protection against life's inevitable pain and trauma, then we're going to have to know them.
Think about, I, I looked up some, some um, archery terms. Th think about uh, this quote from an archery website. Mainly, the type of arrows you use depends on the type of bow you use and the purpose of your shot. You can't choose different types, you can't shoot different types of arrows and expect the same results. So before we start, he's teaching a class here. So before we start, I should warn you that there isn't a one size fits all arrow. Every arrow can cause a different result on different bows. What a freeing truth as a parent to know, my child is unique and specific and made by God with a specific direct or bend towards life, their personality, their giftings, their strengths, their weaknesses. And as a parent, my job is simply to point them back to God. By the way, how freeing to know that God is a good God and he makes no mistakes. The Psalm says his way is perfect and he makes no mistakes. What a freeing truth to know. God gave your child to you. God entrusted you with the personality and bend of your child. Church family, mom and dad this morning, grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, caretaker, caregiver, whatever classification you're in this morning, you have been given a gift in your child. You know better than anyone else their bend, their shape, their way, because you've known them longer than anyone else. Please hear the heartbeat of our next-gen ministry this morning. Please hear the heartbeat of the Ascent and of Kidopolis and of the hillside. We cannot deign, nor do we desire, to replace the life-shaping influence of each parent in the, in the life of your child. You are the primary caregiver and spiritual instructor for your child. What an awesome responsibility and what an awesome privilege that you have been given by God of learning your child and then aiming them back towards God like a mighty man aims an arrow. Our goal, our role as a church and as a student ministry and as a kids ministry is to simply come alongside and equip you and build a bridge back to you. I think about all the resources our church have. I think about our, our family ministry led by the Maris. I think about um, the Growing Kids God's Way classes that, that are led by several of our deacons families and people have taken the class. How many resources and, and uh, gifts do we have as a church that we can say, we wanna help equip you. But the role, the God-given role that God has blessed you with in the life of your child is you are the marksman and they are the arrow. You have to know their way. And we believe that if you learn them and follow their bend, watch where they curve, you can guide them towards paths that are purposeful and true. I like this quote by Frederick Douglass. It is easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. How true that is for our church to know it is easier to build strong children. Now the gospel is redemptive, from young to old, from, from cradle to grave, the gospel can redeem and has the power to do so. But how much better as a church family to say, we will build strong children rather than have to repair broken men. So you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Kip, wait a minute. I sat through week one, the father, and I listened to my responsibilities. Then I sat through week two, um, the, the wife and the mother, and I listened to my responsibilities. I thought week three, my kids were gonna get it. <laughs> they are. <laughs> in a good way. We're gonna build them up and instruct them. I've got two main points this morning, not nine like pastor, aren't you thankful? Last week, pastor had nine points. I've got two main points, but I do have a few sub points under there. Now, I've preached really the sermon. That's, that's the sermon. If you take nothing else away, take this away. You have to know your child. You have to know the way 
he should go, the way she should go, to point them back to God. Now, we're not talking about when, when the attitude of rebellion rises up in them and you need to set up some boundaries to point them back to God. I'm not talking about that. Oh, we'll just let them have their way. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the personality, gifts, and strengths God has given them that you can point and shape them in a direction that God wants them to go. So two simple points. Now we're gonna get real practical this morning and we're gonna try and give this to you fairly quickly. Two simple points this morning that, that we're gonna look at. The first point is this. Every child has a need for the person that's guiding, shaping, directing them. Every child has needs that have to be met if you're gonna learn them and if you're gonna know the direction that they should go. So the first point is this, the needs of every child. The book, The Six Needs of Every Child, we've got a slide for you, um, is really written specifically so you as a parent can learn and develop these areas and strengthen these areas as you minister through God's grace to your child. I'd encourage you to pick up a copy, but we're gonna unpack what this looks like, six needs of every child. And the book, the aim of the book is really to help you ask better questions to your child. Instead of asking, how can I fix this or them? <laughs> and any parent that's been a parent for a while has wondered, how can I fix this or them? Or what's wrong with my kid? <laughs> the book aims and encourages parents to ask questions like, what might my child need in this moment? If my child is reacting or overreacting to a situation or scenario, what might my child need? How can I learn their bend, learn their direct, learn their way, and, and, and minister to them as the parent God has called me to be? What might my child need? And what makes this hard for me? Why is this difficult for me to meet that need? We'll talk about this in, in just a little moment or we'll let it lead right into it. But for me right, right now, I've got, I've got two kids. Um, my oldest is like two years and, and three months. So I know everything about children now. No, I don't. Um, not, not at all. Just two years and three months. My daughter, um, so Gatlin is, is my son. And then my daughter, Scotland, she's three months. Um, Y'all pray for her. She was up several times at the night. I think we think she has an ear infection. And so mama took care of her and, and uh, I was up with her and doing different things. So um, she is, man, I tell you what, she is my pride and joy. I love that little baby girl. Um, but <clears throat> we've got two kids. And right now when I get home, I, I, when I've gone through, you know, days of work and all that stuff, and we're talking about the needs of every child. When I, when I get home and I've spent time out and I've missed my wife and all that, I'll get home and I'll walk in the door and um, Gatlin, I told you I lived in Tennessee and, and Texas, so we call him Bubba, okay? Um, so we get, we get <laughs> I hope he outgrows that one day, <laughs> I hope, you know what I mean? What's up, y'all? My name's Bubba, you know? Um, y'all pray for me. So anyways, um, I get home and, and Bubba runs to the door and I'll open it and he'll be like, daddy's home! You know what I mean? He's like so excited and I'm like, oh, and I give him a big hug and all that stuff. Well, I've missed my wife too, so I'll give her a hug and hey, babe, how are you doing? Let's talk. So we'll be making dinner or getting ready or whatever. And so she'll ask me, how was your day? What's going on? We'll, we'll engage in conversation. We'll start to have a conversation, whatever. And one of Gatlin's greatest needs right now, and, and uh, I'll put the point up here in a second, but one of Gatlin's greatest needs right now is he will come, no matter where we're sitting, if we're standing in the kitchen and, and we're cooking together or we're doing something or setting all my stuff down and we're having a conversation, we're sitting at the dinner table, we're having a conversation, is Gatlin will try and get right in between us and he'll look at one or the other. He'll look at me and he'll say, Daddy, no talk, Mommy. Just talk, Bubba. And what he's asking for is this first point. What are the six needs of every child? What does every child need? Every child needs to know that their parent has delight in them. 
Delight says, I see you. Delight says, you are important and valuable to me. Sometimes it's the other way around. If I've been home and my wife has been running errands or doing something, she's been out, mommy will get home and mommy will be talking to me and we'll be talking all that stuff. And Gatlin will get right in the middle and be like, mommy, mommy, no talk, daddy. Just talk, bubba. <laughs> and it's always that sly, like, y'all pray for me. Um, it's always like that sly, like, you know, silly, like whatever. And I, we're, we're both like, hey, we'll get, hey, we love you. We're glad to be home. Now, I also love mommy. Or mommy will say, I also love daddy. So I'm going to go ahead and talk to him right now. Because we do believe in boundaries. We'll talk about that in a minute. And so setting those boundaries up, helping him learn. You're not the only one in the room, right? Um, so helping him learn that. And so we'll engage and, and delight in him and spend that time and then go back talking to each other. And the distinction of delight is this. We delight in our kids not because of anything they've done or accomplished, but simply because of who they are and that they belong to us. They are ours. We're trying to help us ask this question, what might my child need? Every child needs delight. And we've got to realize as we go through these next six points, we've got to realize that we as parents are simply a mirror that's reflecting the ultimate love of a heavenly father back to our child. What does my child need? He needs to know I delight in him. Why? So that as he grows and gets older, he'll understand there's also a God who made him and a God who loves him. We could say delight this way. Delight could be the overwhelming, unending love of a parent. That's what delight is. Delight is I love you. I am here for you. I am proud of you, right? Not because of anything you've done, but because of who you are. By the way, this is how Jesus led and lived. Think about uh, what Matthew 19, 14 says. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. What was Jesus saying? He was saying, it is important that they get close to me. I'm not too busy with life. I, I'm not too busy. And it's interesting that the disciples are like, no, we got to keep them back. Let them talk to the important people. No, no, Jesus says, let the little children come to me. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. What is he, what is he modeling? He's modeling to, to show and invest delight into your child. Every one of these points will have a challenge, a quick way that you can apply it at the end. So here's my challenge to you. How can I delight in the child? Man, I get home. Uh, man, mom, you, you, you've been home or, or you're working or you get home from work and, and you're there. How can you delight in your child? You're picking them up from grandma and grandpa's. How can you delight in your child? I'm gonna give you this one. I'm not gonna give it to you because it's easy. I'm gonna give it to you because this is the one I struggle with the most. How can I delight my child? I can hang up my phone. I can put my ringer on do not disturb when I get home and I can answer emails after the kids go to bed and I can not even open Facebook and I can simply delight in my kids. I can look them in the eyes and let the love of the heavenly father reflect in the love of their earthly father so that they can be whole as they grow up in a home where I tell them I love them, but I've also got to show them that I love them. Listen to me, just because I have one of these things and just because you have one of these things does not make you a servant and a slave to everyone who calls you. These are here for our convenience and for our business and for our work, and that's awesome. And I know we just got out of quarantine. Many of us are still on quarantine. So that work and life, home, work and uh, home life is strained, but find somewhere that you can separate the two and say, this does not determine how and when I parent my child. 
as one of your pastors, I love you. And I love you too much to lead my family poorly while I try to win at the world's game of comparison and egotism. I, I'm praying that you succeed and excel at your work and your job, but I wanna encourage you, don't succeed and excel at your work and your job at the cost of your family. Let your child know I delight in you. Get down on their level, smile at them, open them real big. My daughter, she's got me wrapped around her little finger. Y'all pray for me as she gets older because I'm gonna be a very poor man. <laughs> um, but man, she wakes up, doesn't matter what time she wakes up, if she wakes up in the middle of the night when she's supposed to be sleeping and I go over and check on her, you know what she does? She goes, she gives me the biggest smile and I'm like, that's okay, baby girl, you can be up. Let's watch, let's watch Disney together. <laughs> no, I don't do that, but man, I delight in her. I want to mirror the love of the heavenly father into her life. Number one, delight, I see you. Number two, if delight is I see you, the second need my child has is support. How can I help? Delight, I see you. Support, how can I help? Support gives us the opportunity to help our kids discover and pursue the particular intrinsic things that they find interesting or valuable. It's not me shoving my child into the values and interests I have. It's allowing my child to explore values and interests on their own. And maybe they'll like the same things that I liked and maybe they won't. I grew up playing baseball. When, when I was older, I, I played basketball some. I've got some former teens in the room. They'll make fun of me if I say I played too much. Um, played basketball. I played soccer growing up. It's not my job to force my son or my daughter into those things. It's my job to put those things out and say, which one of these do you like? And then push the football and basketball closer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> It's my job to say, what are you interested in? How can I support you? Think about this. Our children will have different needs throughout the years. An infant will reach for something just outside their grasp and we'll give it to them. Why? We're supporting them. A three-year-old will get stuck on their tricycle or their balance bike and, and we'll get them back on track. They, their greatest need is for us to assist them in that moment. A five-year-old struggles to sound out words on a page and so we won't just give them the answer. We'll help them sound it out. An eight-year-old wants to play Big Sister's Game but doesn't understand the rules and so we lean in a little bit and say, this is how it works. I'll play it with you. An 11 year old tangles a fishing line and we spend zero time fishing because we're just untangling the line the entire time and we're investing in them. We're supporting them. A 14 year old asks for help preparing a talent show. If that ever happens to me, I'm going to say, go find your mom. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to say, how can I help? What can I do? Can I be your audience? And then I'll cheer them on. I'll support a 17-year-old wrestling with sorting out college applications. And I'm not like, this is the college you need to go here because it costs less. Uh, no, I'm encouraging them. And I'm, I'm building them up. And I'm saying, how, how can I support? How can I help? The key to support is offering a patient presence. Our children don't need us to have all the answers to solve all their problems. More than anything, they benefit from our presence. When we're being curious with them, and when we help them consider problems in a new way. Psalm 18 things. By the way, all of these are a reflection of God the Father to them. Think about how God treats us. But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. May that be our epitaph as a parent to our child, long-suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. One, delight, I see you. Two, support, how can I help? Three, boundaries. My child needs boundaries. How far is too far is the question that we're asking. By the way, let me encourage you with this. Your child needs boundaries. They do not have the mental and emotional capacity to weigh decisions like an adult. Giving a child equal authority in the home actually creates anxiety for them. They are not ready for it. They are not equipped for it. Every child as they grow and develop has what's called a feeling brain 
and a thinking brain. I'll give you a guess on which one grows slower. <laughs> it's the thinking brain. But by the time a child is pre-adolescent, so 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, right, right about there, just getting into middle school, their feeling brain is fully developed, completely. They can feel all the feels of life. That's why I'll have a 12 or 13-year-old come to me and be like, Pastor Caleb, I'm in love and I don't care who knows it. <laughs> why? Because they can feel all the full feelings of, of enraptured in someone else's presence and they are in love. But you know what, you know what the problem is? They don't have the thinking brain <laughs> to be able to say, maybe not that one. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Let's move on. You know, it's not good right now. You can't even afford to, to take someone out on a date. You have zero money. Zilch, nada. I cleaned out your bank accounts. You know what I mean? Like you don't have anything. So they need boundaries, not because we're slamming them down and saying, well, I tell you what, that's how my parents treat me. And that's how I'm going to treat. No, because we're encouraging them and equipping them and saying, I want to keep you safe. How far is too far? Boundaries. We respond to our kids' needs for boundaries for three reasons. To teach them how to live at peace with others and to understand that their actions have consequences. <laughs> Number two, to pass on values about the kind of family and really society, church, that we want to be a part of. And then number three, to equip them so that one day they'll be able to set healthy boundaries for themselves. By the way, the, the feeling brain is fully developed in pre-adolescence. So 9, 10, 11, 12, they can feel all the feels. But the thinking brain usually doesn't fully develop till the early to late 20s. <laughs> it's still growing. They're still processing cognitively and, and learning how to think. That's why it's okay if someone's young, they're, they're making mistakes and they're, they're learning, right? They're, they're doing all those things. The, the, the thinking brain, they're, they're developing in that area. That's why it's so healthy to say, here's some boundaries for you as you grow and as you develop and as you learn for yourself. That's why it's so important to say, hey, as my child, this is okay for you to live inside these boundaries because they will help you. When you get older, figure this out for yourself. Choose your own, make your own boundaries. And we're gonna talk about that in just a minute. But you need to have boundaries in this moment. What are some good boundaries? I'd encourage you, number one, reach out to someone in your church community, a deacon, a, a small group that, that you're a part of. Start asking questions. Hey, where are some boundaries? I think about uh, people scattered all across the room that I know you've got boundaries set up for your kids and, and you've got, hey, here's a boundary that we've drawn the line on. This is where our family is at and we can explain why. I encourage you, this is an inc invaluable resource to you here in the room. I'd encourage you to reach out and find it. Uh, I think about, I mentioned this earlier, the, the resources we have like Growing Kids God's Way or uh, picking up the book that we mentioned, Six Needs of Every, um, six needs of every Child, right? Um, but the question is this, here's the challenge for boundaries. The challenge is this, do I have boundaries for my kids and do they understand why they're there? Now they don't have to fully comprehend it because they're still learning, but has that been stated? For instance, I love you, son. You're 14, you're 15, you're 16, wherever, whatever age you're like, it's okay for you to have a phone but it's not okay for you to have a phone alone in your room. We're gonna keep it here. This is the charging basket. That's a boundary. That's a good boundary. I'd encourage you, phone stays here. Uh, maybe for you it's, here's a decent bedtime. Why? Because you are a grump if you don't get enough sleep. That's a good boundary, growing and need sleep. How about this? Write out a contract with your boundaries contained for this stage of life and put accountability for them and accountability for you on it. You're teaching them, you're training them, you're developing their thinking brain. <laughs> I meant to mention this earlier. Um, thinking brain doesn't develop till, till early to late 20s and it 
um, his, historically and according to data, it always, almost always develops in girls first. Girls are smarter, okay? All right, um, it's, it, it just is what it is. That's why guys are like, hey, y'all watch this, you know what I mean? And they're 44, you know? Um, so that, that, that's why they're learning. But write out a contract with your boundaries contained for that stage of life. You sign it, have them sign it, and commit to understanding and abiding by the boundaries of your home. Say, this is where we're at. I will hold you accountable to this. Why? Because I love you. This is a boundary for us. Boundaries. We, we could go so far into that. We don't have time to do it, but boundaries. No, boundaries, how far is too far? Number four, protection. Are you safe? I want to say this, and I, I'll say it quick, but I want to say this carefully. When we think of protection, our minds may naturally turn to protecting our kids from external harms. But from a long-term mental and physical health standpoint, the most urgent dangers our kids as a society face are not dangers outside our doorsteps, but dangers within. Specifically, the dangers of family violence, emotional and physical abuse, and neglect. One in five children witness violence in their home. One in four children experience caregiver violence. Adverse child ex childhood experiences, in other words, baggage and trauma that a child will have to deal with later in life, and they activate a person's stress response system often over long periods of time, so it's not just an emotional or mental issue, but it becomes a physical issue, is emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, having a mother treated violently, having a household member who is a substance abuser, mentally ill, or had attempted suicide and who is incarcerated, having parents who are separated or divorced, emotional neglect and physical neglect. Now, my goal is not to throw those things at you and say, good luck figuring this out. I think we have a slide for this. I don't know if we do or not, but if not, I'll give you the information for it. Let me say two things about abuse. The first is this. If you suspect or are unsure or even think, please report any abuse or suspected abuse to authorities. As the next-gen pastor here, let me encourage you with something. We are serious about this. Amen. Our society has gone way too far in this direction. And it's time that we as a church become the healing place that people need and say, this is not going to happen on our watch. Right. I'm encouraging. And I think, I'm, I think this is, again, I think I'm amongst friends here this morning. I'm in a room full of people who say, no, we're serious about this as well. So we have some boundaries and we're serious about our child. If it gets to this point, if you're at this point where you're like, okay, I think something's going on. My child is, is acting out or is not eating, is not sleeping. There's so many signs and I can give you a list of look for these signs. Please report the abuse. And then secondly, please get help. Don't assume healing is taking place. Renewing Life Counseling Center, I think this is the slide that, that we have. Renewing Life Counseling Center, we work with. Please, please, there, there has been for too many years a stigma on getting professional counseling and, and, and getting therapy. Listen, this is a Christian counseling center. Look at, look at the emphasis on new life. They believe there's new life in Christ, but they also understand the cognitive place that your child is at. And they also understand the emotional trauma that can come from any type of abuse. And look, I may be talking to someone here who you are a parent yourself now, and there is trauma in your past that you have yet to unpack. Can I encourage you? We will walk with you through this. We are your church and we love you. I am so sorry that someone did not protect you. And I wanna encourage you with this. Life hands, us all Life hands all of us the baggage of trauma early. If you don't sort out what's been handed to you by life, you will pass it on to your children. Protect them by working through it. Here's their phone number. Here's their uh, website. And I encourage you to work through them. There's wonderful, wonderful people over there. And as, as a pastor, 
My prayer is that God would give us a generation of parents who are not conformed to the image or model of parenting that they were handed or that the world says you should do. Let your kids do whatever you want, you know, whatever. But rather you're transformed by the gospel of grace and you pass that on to your children. Four, protection, are you safe? Five, comfort, I see your suffering. What is comfort? Comfort is when when a child is hurting at any stage. By the way, it's easy when they're a toddler or even a pre-adolescent. Oh, I'm hurting. Mom, dad, will you help me? When they get to be a teenager, often they won't say anything. But they're hurting. That friend that used to be their friend that's no longer their friend, that hurts. And it goes down deep. How can you be there for them? How can you support them? You can come alongside. By the way, because comfort requires sharing in our children's pain, it is almost always uncomfortable for us. But as a parent... Your kid may not remember what you say. (laughs) And you're like, yeah, they never do. (laughs) Your kid may not remember what you say, but they'll remember if you were there. And sometimes it's just sitting with them and saying, I love you. I'm so sorry. Let's let's go get a burger. Let's go for a walk. Let's just spend some time together. Comfort. I see your suffering. And then the sixth need, and then we'll move on. We've talked about the needs of the child. We'll talk about the duty of the child. The sixth need is this, equipping. Where to from here? Our kids will make mistakes. They're going to have difficult encounters in the world and with others. Equipping them is how we help them make sense of these difficult or confusing experiences and chart a path forward after life's inevitable conflicts and setbacks. Proverbs 24, 16 says this, for a righteous man falls seven times and rises back up again. Our kids need to see in us the model of We are human. The gospel is this. We're human and we're broken. We don't have, none of these things are a call to perfection. All of these things are a call to persistence. Do you know what that means? That means specifically, if you are going along this way and you mess up as a parent, model that to your kids and say, man, you know what? I messed up. You know what, son? Dad messed up. Dad got a little upset. Dad went a little over the top. Will you forgive me? I shouldn't have yelled at you like that. God, give us some men who understand the power of apology and can look their child in the eye and say, I am not perfect. Will you forgive me? Isn't that the biblical model? Will you forgive me? I want to help you going forward. And then when your child messes up, they won't run for cover and and hide from you. They'll come to you and say, man, I messed up. And it it takes time and it takes uh, work and it takes emotion and it will probably be uncomfortable for you for a while. But a righteous man falls seven times and rises up again, equipping Your child needs to be equipped. How can I fix this? How can I repair it? How can I make this right? Number one, the needs of of the child. But number two, the duty of the child. All right, Pastor Yab, awesome. All right, you've told us how to be there, how to to be prepared, how to be there for the child. That's the needs of the child. Now, what's the role of the child? I'm so glad you asked. Every child in here, let's have some fun. Your role, Ephesians chapter 6. Mom and dad, I gave you, uh, grandma, grandpa, I gave you, uh, aunts, uncles, I gave you six points. Children, here we go. Two points. Your role as a child, really simple. Children, obey your parents. (laughs) Woo, all right. Children, (laughs) obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Guess what? If you are living at home, and we're gonna unpack, what what does this look like? If you're living at home, if you're a child under your parents' care, you have a God-given responsibility to obey. You have a God-given construct, a God-given responsibility to obey. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is okay some of the time. Children, obey your parents in the Lord when you feel like it. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. I call this the burden of obedience. The duty of the child, look, you've got a burden to bear as a child. 
you have to obey mom and, dad. mom and dad. You are called, you are encouraged to obey mom and dad. As they are there for you, as they uh, 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 give you delight, as they provide protection, as they're there all through the stages and needs of your life, your goal and your role as a child is to obey. The child who learns to obey will be rewarded with trust. The child that learns to obey their parents is learning life skills. Guess what? As a child, one day you graduate and you'll go have to work this thing called a job and you'll have this other thing called a boss and this other thing called a boss will tell you to do something. Guess what you have to do? Well, you don't have to do it. You can lose your job. <laughs> but they'll tell you to do something and guess what your role is in that position. It's funny because all of life we accept this uh, young person, teenager, all of life we accept this. All right, this is, this is a limit. This is what society says. This is a law. But when it comes to mom and dad, we're like, nah, I don't really know about that. No, your goal, your role is to obey. Luke chapter 2, 51 through 52, the Bible says, Then he, Jesus, went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus took on the role of being in subjection, not just to his earthly mother, but to his stepfather. He gave us the ultimate role model, not just in his ministry and death, but in his early years. Jesus was subject to his parents, all right? So every one of these points has had a challenge. Every one of these points has said, how can I, how can I do this? How can I do this better? So kids, young person, are you ready for your challenge? Teenager, are you ready for your challenge? Here it is, ready? Ask your mom and dad, how have I been doing in the area of obedience? <laughs> when you go home, now I'm laughing not because it's bad, but because it's so needed. Young person, when you go home, you look mom and dad in the eye and you say, hey, I love you a lot. I love you so much. You're the best mom and dad ever. How have I been doing in the area of obedience? Have I been struggling? How can I grow in the area of obedience? What can I do better in? How about this? What else can you trust me with to obey you in? I'm telling you, young person, you go home and you look mom and dad in the eye. And, and I understand you're at a different phase and, and maybe you're going through uh, that phase where, where eye contact is a little weird and makes you uncomfortable and you're like, I don't, want, I don't really want to do it. Uh, so write it out. Mom, dad, I love you. I love you so much. And, and I thought about what Pastor Caleb said and I didn't like it. <laughs> but I want to know, can I grow in this area? And how can I grow in this area? Children, obey your parents and Lord, the burden of obedience. We mentioned this earlier when we were talking about a, a home that's under physical or emotional abuse. And we talked about how, look, if you need help, what I'm not doing is, is putting a hammer over your head and saying, you just lean in and you just take that abuse. No, please get help. But if your home is filled with a mom and dad who love Jesus and they're here this morning, your call is to obey your parents in the Lord. The burden of obedience, but it doesn't just say obey. It says, children, obey your parents and Lord for this is right. And then it says, honor your father and mother. You see, the burden of obedience will eventually turn into the blessing of honor. The blessing of honor is when you go from I have to obey to I get to honor. And one day you will graduate from the burden of obedience. You will, you will move out. You will graduate. You will get married. You will have a family of your own. You'll graduate from the burden of obedience, but you never graduate from the blessing of honor. How awesome is that? Uh, from the youngest person to the oldest person in this room, if your mom and dad are still alive, they're still with us, they're still here on this terrestrial ball called the earth, 
you have an awesome privilege to honor them. You have an awesome God-given goal to honor them. Now, for the, for the young person, for the young adult in here who's 18, 19, 16, and you're already working, you're graduated, 19, 20, 21, and you're like, well, I don't know where those roles are. I don't know where that line is. How, how, how can I, when do I graduate from the burden of obedience? All right, let me help you with that. How do you know if you graduate from the burden of obedience? Young adult in here, go home and open up the refrigerator and look in there and whoever paid for your go-gurt, that's the person <laughs> that you have to obey. Now I'm being a little facetious with having a little fun, but in all seriousness, who pays for your fruit snacks? Who pays for your cell phone bill? If you're still living at home, and I love you, I work with our hillsiders, but if you're 18, 19, 21, who pays for your college bill? If you're in those age and you're still under the care of mom and dad, you're still under the God-given burden of obedience. But if you've graduated out of those, and if you want to graduate out of those, and you're 18, 19, 20, and you're living at home, go to mom and dad and say, hey, I want to graduate from the burden of obedience, and I want to move into the blessing of honor. How can I move into the blessing of honor? How can I honor you? And then ask them this, what can I help pay for? And all the parents said, no. Uh, how much rent do I owe you? Because I want to move in this honor and I want to honor you and not take for granted everything you've done for me. Maybe you're here and you're, you're 20, 30, 40 years old. And for you, you're like, man, you know what? I wonder, when's the last time I had an opportunity to honor mom and dad? And for you, it might just be a phone call. It might just be a text message. Mom, dad, thank you for all the years you sacrificed. Maybe you're in here and that relationship is estranged or strained here this morning. I want to encourage you. Follow God's calling and will Follow God's spirit in this area of honoring mom and dad. Find a way. Just, just want to say I love you. Here's a picture of the grandkids. Thought of you today, praying for you. I don't know your specific relationship, but I can promise you this. God gives us this scripture without apology. Here's the challenge to the young adult. How can I honor my parents? Here's a challenge to the teen who is, who is beginning to, to shift a little bit and beginning to crave more independence, and it will happen. I'm not trying to make this all sound like a cakewalk, but that teen craves more independence. I want to be out with my friends. I want to do this. How can I begin to cross the bridge of honor from the burden of, of obedience? How can I do this? All right, you honor your parents when you're honest with them. Don't hide things from mom and dad. A half-truth is a whole lie. You honor your parents when you seek their advice regardless of age or stage. Now, maybe you're 30, 40, 50 years old in here, mom and dad are still around. It's okay to seek their advice and it's okay not to take it. But you honor them by asking them. God has made you a separate entity. Honor them by saying, hey, I'm thinking about this decision. How, what, what should I do? Where should I go with this? You're honoring them by asking them. Now, if you know that their answer is gonna be different than yours, <laughs> maybe don't go down that road. But you honor your parents when you seek their advice. You honor your parents when you work hard and take care of your things. Young person, don't just throw your stuff around. Take care of it. Mom and dad spent good money on that. Show them, hey, I'm growing up. I'm maturing. I'm traveling over that bridge of honor. Dr. Adrian Rogers said this, and we're done. Dr. Adrian Rogers was a pastor in Memphis, Tennessee for the longest time. Just an incredible pastor and, and um, preacher of the gospel. And Dr. Adrian Rogers said this in the late 90s, early 2000s. He said, the devil has leveled all of the cannonry of hell against the home. I believe that with all of my heart, friend. And if that was true in the year 2000, then 21 years later, it is even more true than ever. We have an enemy that walks about as a roaring lion and he is not here to mess around. 
So as parents, let's be intentional. As caregivers, as caretakers, let's be intentional and lean in and say, how can I be there for our needs? And listen to me as kids, let's be intentional. Write that question out. So many, we have so many wonderful young people and you're like, you only see them at church. That's true. But we have so many wonderful young people that are taking notes. Write this note down. Ask mom and dad, what can I do better? How can I honor you? How can I obey you better? I've seen in, in the 10 years that I've been able to work with wonderful families. By the way, they've helped me grow in the sh so many shortcomings that I've had, but they've helped me grow so much. I've seen children and teens who have run away from home be restored in relationship with their parents. It's not a slow, it's, it's not a fast restoration. It's a journey to walk with them. I've seen children and teens who have messed up and been at odds and the relationship has been broken and they can't even hardly talk or be in the same room, be restored in that relationship with their parents as there's humility and a following of God's word. I've seen parents who have messed up and been out of the child's life for a little while be restored in relationship with their children and teens. Listen to me, friend. I'm here to tell you this morning, the gospel works. God is in the business of restoring families and putting them back together. And as much as we have an enemy, he is limited and our God is not. He is all powerful and he can move into your family and do a work that only he can do. How can he do that? Train up a child in the way he should go. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Give it to God. God, I'm training him. I'm doing everything I can. God, will you take over in this area? And I'm telling you, God will. Why? because when they are old, they will not depart from it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. God, thank you for the, these, your people. Lord, I, I'm so thankful for how they've borne with me this morning and how they've listened so well. God, now I pray that your word would do a work that I cannot do. You promised your word will not return void. So God, plant the seed of your word deep in the hearts of this, your people. The children that are in the room, Father, I pray that they would begin to get serious about this responsi responsibility, God-given responsibility, of obedience and then honor. For the young adult, forge that way for them. Give them your spirit and your wisdom on blazing that new trail in their life of, of crossing the bridge of honor from the burden of obedience. For the parent in the room, pour yourself into them. God, only you can lead our kids. And God, we're only stewards of them anyway. They are yours. Will you do a work that only you can do? We love you. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen.